BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, I'm Paco Romain, and today on SupDoc, I recap the newly released Taylor Swift documentary, Miss Americana, with my guest, comedian Brooke Heineken. Directed by Lena Wilson, Miss Americana was made for Netflix. And like the 2017 Netflix documentary Gaga 5'2", it's a lively and revealing once-over-lightly portrait. In this case, of the 15-year journey that Taylor Swift has made from big-haired teenage country singer to bedazzling mistress of the pop world. Her career has been a meteor, and she has guided its fiery trajectory since she was a kid. Yet, she has her demons and doubts, and they give Miss Americana its most compelling dimensions. My guest is comedian Brooke Heineken, who is a huge Taylor Swift fan. As you will hear later on, Brooke wrote for me an album-to-album synopsis uh, to follow along with, and also a Taylor Swift Spotify playlist that is included in the show notes. Uh, Brooke has performed at SF Sketchfest multiple times, was selected as one of Audible's Fresh Faces of Stand-Up, a show highlighted in USA Today, and open for the legendary Janine Garofalo. She performs at the San Francisco Punchline, Cobb's Comedy Club, and is a paid regular at Rooster Tea Feathers. I had a great time talking with Brooke. Uh, not only did we talk about Miss Americana, but we uh, did some deep dives into lots of other great topics as well. So now here's my talk with Brooke. So I am here with comedian. Are you an actor too? Can uh, I call you an no. actor? Comedian, writer, nice person. Aw. Um, Brooke Heineken. Brooke is in the hizzy. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, thank you for letting me bully you into doing this documentary, you, first of all. <laughs> listen, let's set the record straight now. It was not a bullying. Um, I was happy to do it. You were super excited, which always makes for a great guest. Yeah, I mean, there's people who want to do the podcast and they're like, what should I talk about? I'm like, I don't know, pick a doc that you love. Or if you're not into docs, you don't have to be on this podcast. You know? <laughs> I feel like I came at this from the opposite because I'm like, what it, what outlet can I use to legitimize my obsession with this documentary? Uh-huh. Okay, and this is it. And, and this is I, it. SubDoc for- is a great um, uh, delivery vehicle for obsessions about documentaries, believe me, because I have many. <laughs> I have many, many obsessions about documentaries. Um, so, yes, Brooke, she messaged me. She said, I want to do the Taylor Swift documentary whenever I can and make it soon. And that's what's happening now. And you, so you are not a Miss Americana Taylor, the story of Taylor Swift um, obsession. You have a, you love Taylor Swift. I do. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't the As doc. a musician, no, not, not, and actually, and we can get into this more. I don't know if I'm cutting off your like intro piece, but as a documentary, I'm here interested to hear your thoughts because it didn't seem like if you were watching it independent of knowing anything about her, it would be a very good documentary because it kind of relies on you having a lot of knowledge before. Completely. And I had none. So and that I, we will provide very interesting <laughs> yes. perspectives on this. And I'd like to know. Yes. Yes, we will. And we'll start with 
what, how my take on Taylor Swift is not nearly important as yours and, and how you feel about this documentary. Like my, I, I, I went from zero to six out of 10 on my love for Taylor Swift. I am shocked that you got to six. I got I to six. Give you a lot of credit. Thank you. I got to six. And you know, I, for all those listeners, I posted uh, this morning. I was a little cranky because I hadn't had coffee yet. I wasn't even this morning. I was like one in the one. I got up a little late today. Oh. <laughs> I hadn't had any coffee yet. And I started like the doc. Like an hour ago. About, about an hour ago. Yeah. I started the doc and I was like, I don't like Taylor Swift. <laughs> There's something about her that I did not like. I love that sentence. There's something about her. Cause that just is like cross applied. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Yes. Oh yeah. There's, there's a lot of, and I even like passively aggressively said, I strongly, I think maybe I strongly dislike her, which is like a complete passive aggressive. There's nothing really concrete there, but I hadn't had coffee yet. So, and I need, you see my thermos is you always by my side. So it's, you, let's go to, all the way back. Okay. Let's go all the way back. We're talking about Miss Americana, the, uh, the Taylor Swift story. That's not the full title. I don't think it has a subtitle. I think it's just Miss Americana. Okay, just Miss Americana. It's on Netflix. It's streaming now. If you if you are listener, a huge Taylor Swift fan, uh, please email us, tweet at us, Instagram at us, uh, and at Brooke, and tell me what I got wrong. And I'm sure pour love and nothing but sweet emotions to Brooke for what she's about to help me guide guide me through with the Taylor Swift it. history. So you let's say, so are you around the same age? Yes, I am a little less than a year younger than her. And she's 30, so you're 30. I am 29. I'm you're turning 30. 29 this year. years old and she is 30 and like the the one of the major transformations of this documentary is her 29 to 30. Yes. year. So you literally grew up in the same time period. Yeah. And that's kind of, and she touches on this. Like a lot of the fandom was developed by, uh, people of a certain age range that sort of saw their experiences reflected in her songs. So some of her earlier albums have a lot more to do with like friendship and, you know, high school crushes and growing up in security, that type of thing. And then it matures with her and her songwriting. She talks about that, like her storytelling is, so it's more relatable about her. So I did grow up on a lot of her music. I think I got into her, I know that I got into her a lot more intensely my sophomore year of college into her second and third albums. I was on a trip somewhere and I didn't have um, internet access. And it was, it was like, I was in like a third world country where you could, I, there was like a little stand where you could buy ripped MP3s yeah. for cheap. And I, I saw a few musicians I liked at this time. There was no like, there was no streaming service. Anything you had on your iPod was just what you had. And I was sick of my music and I walked in and I bought her first two albums illegally, which I since have bought legally. Uh, oh, wow. You made up for that? Yeah. Well, that's a good band. Uh, album sales. So I have a sister who works in the music industry and I've since learned the importance of album sales yes. as a metric. Um, but I got really into her that particular summer um, because I, that was all that I had to listen to. It was just over and over and over again. And I'm, Kind of before that, I was like, "Ugh, this seems cheesy." But then I got really into it, and it was been like a deep dive ever since. So, what is it about Taylor Swift that you? What was it in about her that made you like become more and more of a fan, or like? I think when I was forced to like actually listen to the lyrics, I first of all appreciated the mastery behind the songwriting. So, one of the things that I think the documentary does do well is shows anyone who thought that like most 
manufactured musician. She didn't write her own songs, but she very clearly does. Um, so she got a lot of flack after her second album, Fearless, for not writing her own or like being people thinking she didn't write her own music. So she wrote a third album entirely by herself. Are you familiar with the, her music very much? Are we good, by the way? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm just keeping an eye on the old uh, the old mixer. Um, I no, I have, no, I am not. To, to be completely honest, no. Okay. I couldn't name a song. Not a single song. No. Okay. Would you be? Would you say you could benefit? Like, if I were to put together like a list of like a few sample tracks from each album, would you be interested? <laughs> I would. I would give it a go. Okay, good because I did. Oh, um, good, great. <laughs> here is this list for you. Uh, and it shows that there's a little bit of a description what of why I like each done? song. Oh my God, we're going to have to put this on. We will. And I actually created a Spotify short link for you to share with your listeners. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's Spotify's shortener. So it's S-P-O-T-I dot F-I slash Supdoc Taylor. Nice. And it's a playlist of all of the songs that I'm handing Paco right now. So it starts out like her, her first two albums are like a lot younger. <laughs> are you laughing at yeah, me? Yeah, <laughs> this is awesome. No one, I knew, listen, okay, people. <laughs> Subdoc listeners, I knew a that Brooke would be not on time or maybe early, which she was, and would have copious notes, which she does. But this is taking it to a length I did not expect. Ugh, I, I love you. I, I think it's, this is this is one of the things she talks about is like I grew up in the same vein of just like having to people please all the fucking time. Oh, I was a straight A student. God, I don't want to talk. About I work that. at like places my parents like to brag about. I right. went to a college my parents were proud of. Like. Wait, where'd you go again? Georgetown? Georgetown. Yeah. Yeah. You, and that, I, so I saw a lot of like that cookie cutter pressure reflected. Right. Both in the, her music and in the documentary. Well, and like Georgetown is not like a slacker party school. So there's type A people just, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there were also slackers and partiers at this type A school. Um, but no, yeah, it was a very work hard culture. Right. And I kind of floundered a little bit when I got there because... I'd I mean, I'm from Ohio. That's one of the things we first bonded over. You're from Michigan. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't super hard to like, if you put in a minimal amount of effort in the school that I went to, you could like be pretty clear near the top. And then I got to, to school and had a lot of imposter syndrome because I was like, oh, I'm working hard and I'm still like not right at the top of the class here, which like I kind of adjusted over the course of college to be like, I know what I want to invest my time in. And yeah. Um, and did that. But yeah, a lot of Georgetown kids had some real breakdowns the first few years because they were used to being the best and they thought they were expected to be the best. And then when they weren't, because statistically only one in every scenario can be the best, uh, they, they had a crisis. It goes, it goes to your head and does weird things to you. Yeah. Yes. And, and the you, biggest first world problem you can have. It's a big first world problem indeed. And, and she, Taylor, Miss Swift, if you will, touches on this as well in this documentary. There's mm -hmm. a lot of interesting themes in this documentary. Yes, there are. Um, but, but let's get back to your Spotify playlist. This is, uh, she's also given it a uh, centered title called Taylor Swift's Music, a Primer for Subdoc Listeners. Do you want to go through this a bit? We don't need to. I think mm -hmm. it's just good for you to have so you can see. It goes chronologically uh, recent to oldest. Did you... I mean, there's, there's some minor notes. Did you write all these notes? Yeah. And I got this idea about an hour and a half ago. So I will admit that the liner notes get sparser as we go down the sheet. Um, but God. these are some of my thoughts. I know every song she's ever, like it's her is catalog. She is she my favorite? Yeah. I, yes. But then I also go through phases where others are my favorite. I think okay. Billy Joel is a favorite. Billy Joel. Yes. 
Billy Joel, Billy Joel. Billy Joel, Billy Joel. The Piano Man, Billy yeah. Joel. Okay, that's mm-hmm. interesting. I'm trying to think of other people whose catalogs I feel like I know or that I would listen to in like binge listens yeah. or you, whose concerts I would pay a lot of to see. And, and Billy Joel would Billy be Joel, of, Andrew McMahon, Dave Matthews Band, not ashamed. Oh, right, right, right. San Francisco comedian Torio Van Girl and I will die on this hill. Yeah, yeah. But Molly, on the other hand. Oh, yeah. She's a big fan. You know, I've actually never met Molly. What? Yeah. Are you serious? You're past at the punchline. Not past. You're not past. Oh, man. Okay. That's a, that's a, that's that's a problem. Uh, an imposter syndrome for another day conversation. That is. Well, you should be. Oh, thank and you. And it will, it will happen soon. But I, yeah, Dave Matthews Band, me, it's too clean. It's just too clean. Like, and that's Dave Matthews Band? Yeah. Okay. It's too, like, I don't like highly produced stuff. Okay. I, I do love Billy Joel because this, a mic a does a smell like a beer. Yeah, uh, you know, like I do love some. I love my beach. Uh, beach. I was gonna say you I love, love your beaches. I, I love <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I'm gonna get canceled. Freudian slip. Uh, but I do love Billy Joel. Um, but Taylor Swift. I, I am okay. I'm very excited to 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 crack the uh, the ex- existential nut that is Taylor Swift and her music. Sure. Would and it I be helpful if I gave you like a thirty, not thirty second, minute and a half? like arc of her timeline. Sure. So she got very famous fair. Like she started in, she moved to Nashville. She started with big machine records as pretty much their debut main artist. Right. So there was a producer, Scott Borchetta, remember his name, he'll come back, um, who started his own label, big machine. And, uh, she was one of the first people signed to it. And she had, I think a one, two, three, four, five, six record deal. So she did all six records, had it obviously like a meteoric rise to fame after her second record um, or won album of the year at the Grammys. That was fearless while she, so she won album of the year at the Grammys, September or no early 2009, end of 2009. She was on stage accepting a VMA for video of the year when the whole Kanye thing happened. Kanye West was drunk, stormed the stage, grabbed the award from her hand. And that's a touched on and pretty covered in the doc and was covered at the time. Um, So then she continues this rise to fame, produces, writes her whole next album by herself. I just realized I left Fearless entirely off this list. Uh oh. I'll send you a revised version. You're going to have to send your emails to Brooke about that, folks. Oh, I'm, I'm Which, what year myself. was Fearless? 2009. Oh, okay. 2008, so, 2000, it came out in 2008 and got all the awards in 2009 because it got, it was the 2009 Grammy. Because that's the one, the that's the Kanye gra- Grammy. Yes. Or that wasn't a Grammy, that was an MTV... It was a VMA that he VMA. stormed the stage. Right. But she had already won Album of the Year, which is why seven years later, when he wrote that song, I Made That Bitch Famous, Right. it made so many people so mad because it was like, she's already a yeah. Grammy winner. Well, leave her a fuck alone. Yeah, he was the one that reopened the whole wound. I, yeah, it's, I didn't even know that song. I remember that song, and I didn't even know that song was about... Taylor Swift. So something else that wasn't covered in the video or in the documentary was that he made a music video with that in which there's a wax figurine of Taylor lying naked in bed next to Kanye. Oh, and she was like, how is that not like low key revenge porn? Right. It's the, have you seen the montage where it's Kanye in bed with like all these naked celebrities? Donald Trump is there. Uh Uh-uh. It's a very weird image. That is weird. Um, is there, what's the, I'm going to stop you. I'm going to interject a bunch here. No, please. What is the inherent racism that is, part of that is there inherent racism to him attacking her or to 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 him attacking her i don't 
don't know. Like, I don't pretend to understand Kanye West, especially after the last few years. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, maybe when he did it, he thought he was, because he was doing it basically in defense of Beyonce. Oh, that's right. That's right. So there could have been. He wasn't yelling at her. She, he was like, Beyonce had a great music video. Yeah, as well. it was that's her um, single ladies. Like oh, the three women dancing. Right. That was a good one. Which also had its own troubles because there was accusations that that was ripped off of an older music video. Oh. I think from the 80s of three women dancing in a same like configuration. Oh, okay. And in 2009, she would have been... 19. 19. 20. Okay, wow. She's older than me and I. So young. No, it was 19, because the... Was, was it have been... I'm trying to remember, because there was some news. There, they showed a bit on the documentary of a newscaster saying he could have... There's plenty of people he couldn't, wouldn't have taken that award from, but he chose to take it from like a teenage girl. Right, right. Well, she was born in 89, so mm -hmm. yeah. So she would have been... 20. Title of her fifth studio album. Oh, yeah, which is what? 1989. Oh, there you go. So it's like an 80s-inspired oh, album. There's a lot of synth. Oh, okay, that makes sense. So so we have her debut album. Then we have the Kanye The West, Kanye album. Right, and then... Um, Speak Now, written entirely by herself with no co-writers. The, the music and the lyrics? Uh, yes. Oh, wow. At least the lyrics. And then she was co-produced mm -hmm. with uh, one of her like regular co-producers. Um, and but it's a lot of her like in the subsequent albums, she'll sometimes have co-writers, although she the lyrics are largely her. Um, her creation. You see that a lot in the documentary. The writing? Yeah. Yeah. It's cool, isn't it? Yeah. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's yeah. I didn't expect as many. I mean, of course, she's, you know, young. So she's, you know, iPhone yeah. I, usually, I just expect more of the paper yeah. than, than like everyone's got their iPhones and being like. She started with 1989 releasing um, like uh, the demos of when she first got that um, idea. So she'll like, you'll, she'll also include as like bonus tracks, the original voice notes where she's like, I have this. She's like crazy talking to herself, which I do as a comedian. I don't know if you do it. If I get an idea for a joke, I'll like turn on my voice recorder and creepy talk to myself. Be like, I have a joke. It could go like this. This is what I want the punchline to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just have to remember to go back I to write it. them. I don't do that. I write them down. I still kind of just write down ideas versus like talking into my phone with them, which is, I don't know why I wouldn't do that. I don't know. Whatever. Mine's more, mine's more, um, I need to see it versus listening. Mm -hmm. I need to look mm -hmm. at it. I like to look at the structure of a joke more than hear it, I guess. Probably helps you trim the fat on it. Maybe trim a little fat on it. Maybe trim a little fat on that joke. Indeed. Um, so so she has, at this point, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven albums. Mm -hmm. Okay. And in the span of, she was, what, 16? Yeah. So it's like a 15-year career. Jeez, basically. that's insane. I think it's pretty interesting in this doc to see, like, the transformation. I mean, the doc does one thing. It does a few things very well. One of the things it does very well is kind of give you the idea of the arc of her career up to mm -hmm. this point, which is kind of interesting because I had no clue. Yeah, a lot of people don't. Yeah. There's also like a bunch of shady business shit that wasn't in the doc. Oh, like uh, what? So what, let me, okay, let, let me, let's, let's remember that. But let me, I need to know okay. before we get too deep in this, what did you think about the doc? The doc, I mean, as a fan, like I said, this was not a documentary made for people who are new right. to the tailored verse. Right. Uh, but as a fan, like I loved it because it's a lot of behind the scenes. It's a lot of like the more personal side. It's a lot of her talking about the stuff that 
she never gave to interviews, like some of the like eating disorder stuff that people speculated about her relationship stuff. Seeing how she relates with her publicist is super interesting because you never know if they're like all the tabloid shit's getting through. Right. Um, Was there anything you learned from this doc that you didn't know? That is a good question. Kind of my job. Uh, I think a lot of the behind the scenes around the political stances she chose to take, which could have cut her audience in half. There's a scene at the end where there's a bunch of literally drawn on gender lines. Dudes trying to be like, don't get involved. Look what happened to the Dixie Chicks. scene pissed me off so much. It was so gross. Yeah, it kind of felt like that Black Mirror Ashley O episode where it's oh. like there's something they've made yeah. that's so big they don't want to do, take any chances to destroy it, but like at what personal cost? Amen. And good, I mean, I applauded her for, I mean, that's awesome that she did that. She really did not have to do that. Yeah. And it's so gross when people say like 50% of your audience is going to get off. Yeah. It's like, well, fuck them. Yeah. Also, the, it's not true. It's also not true. A hundred percent. What we need to get crossed to maybe some younger artists out there. It's like it's not fucking true. Speak your mind. Yep. You're gonna have more fans. You know, you're gonna you're probably gonna get more people that are gonna to because uh, you you stood up for what you believed in. You spoke from the heart. That's what people want. Yeah. Authenticity. For sure. Which is I, I sometimes I feel like I could see both sides of it because there's a lot of the like especially nowadays every it seems like almost every entertainer is taking a political stance the oscars were on last night and every speech had every speech and even my sister who's pretty liberal was like i'm tired of this yeah can't we just get them think their moms and get the fuck out of there well, but I, mean, I think they've yeah. also earned the platform right if you put the work in you've earned the platform right use it however you want i you know what i mean i am using my platform to talk about what i love that's right which is taylor which swift. is taylor swift indeed yes exactly i mean there is a i i mean today's political world, it's so full of white noise and people making stances and Facebook and Instagram that like, I kind of understand that if like a quiet in the storm is sometimes necessary, but however, there's people that have giant megaphones and Mm -hmm. to use them for good is applaudable. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, oh, it's not that brave for like uh, an LA, New York celebrity to come out against Trump. Like, Ooh, how brave. But a lot of people used to think Taylor and a lot of country artists are like secret conservatives. She used to have a huge neo-Nazi following. What? Because they because she was loudly silent. Like uh. her lack of statement meant people were like, oh, what is she hiding? Yeah. And, you know, she's the super fucking white. Super, super white. blonde, blue eyed. Yeah. So she was like a, an anti-hero amongst the like. Oh, I didn't know that. I, got, I don't think I'm using anti-hero, right? She was a hero of the neo-Nazi like. Four chans. Really? We'll touch on this when I talk to you about my doc pitch. Um, but like the darker side of the internet really thought that she was on their side. Really? Yeah. But huh, that is fascinating. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you could. Well, they can fucking construe anything out of a fucking rock. But yeah. I don't un- understand how you would get that from Taylor Swift. My take on Taylor Swift is she was just like a cookie cut out Disney. Yeah. Like thing that she was obviously very talented she was very young she's pretty and it just seemed like she was just like blink blink i write songs about boys and i'm yeah. like wow but i'm like you know you know i'm at my 40s so i'm older than mm-hmm. that like and now i kind of want like i want blues and i want you know i want cut up guitars and t- people talking about like death and despair <laughs> yeah the dark i mean i feel like she's started to relax now i mean but if you come out the gate swinging with that shit. 
especially if you're a woman and people don't want to hear it from you, like you run the risk of just not having any success. I feel like it's kind of that way in comedy too. I wish I didn't feel like there's a better version of me out there. I feel that way all the time. It's a lot to process because we do exist in this society where women in entertainment are discarded in an elephant graveyard by the time they're 35. The female artists that I know of have reinvented themselves 20 times more than the male artists. They have to, or else you're out of a job. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Do you want to move to LA? I, I can't let myself take moving to LA seriously or New York. What does that mean? I, whenever I think about seriously taking a step away from my career to pursue writing or stand up, it's the voice, the other voice in my head, which is like, that's stupid. It's too loud. And is that attributed to, do you have, is that an imposter syndrome thing that, that Taylor talks about? Or is that just a practical, I need a uh, retirement? Uh, probably both. I think it's, I think it has a lot to do with, it's a little bit similar to what she was saying about approval. Like, I don't think, like, I don't want people to laugh at me behind my back. Like, I feel like if, even when I post shit on social media, I post thinking about the 2% of the audience, which are like dipshits back home who are going to look at it and be like, why is Brooke? Look at Brooke having a midlife crisis for us all to watch. <laughs> 30, Moving to New York. Yeah. Well, I don't plan on living past 58. Okay, good. Not actually, That's, but that was fast math. I didn't think that I, was very, I fast don't math. know if that was right, but yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You're doing a great job. Thank you. I need those head pats. She has um, <laughs> other is, uh, that's a whole nother thing in this doc. I know there's so many themes and we could talk about each. I feel like I'm jumping around a little no, bit. No, no, that's what we do on this doc on this podcast rather that, uh, we do jump around. It's fine. Jump, jump, jump around. It's all about crisscross. Ah. Um, there is, cause I, I felt that cause I grew up in a crazy Christian household, crazy, 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 Christian, Christian, Christian household. Praise be. Praise be God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's spoken tongues, the whole thing. This so the podcast brought to you by. God. Yeah, for by Jesus and the <laughs> and the lives he saved. Hallelujah. Listen, if you can send in the biggest dollar you got on your wallet, I don't care if it's a five or ten or twenty, send it to Sup. The Lord speak to you through your change. Did you grow up in a Christian household? Not really, but I went to the whole like good girl. I went to church and right. I was the only one in my family who did. Wait, what? You weren't forced to, and you went? Not when I mean, when I was a little kid, we had to go. But when I was in high school, nobody else in my family went, and I was at that point, I was like volunteering and part of the youth group, and I think I did it because I thought it would like. I don't know if it was just to like get into college, but I was like, this is a community, and I must do the good thing and not. Quit. So you you've always struck me as like a really good person. You know, like you, I, and I feel I'm, like a douche now. No, no, you shouldn't because it's so rare in the entertainment business. Like, like I've always seen you as a very nice 
gracious, sweet person. And that is with talent as well, which is nearly unheard of, you know, like probably because those people don't get very far. I don't know if that's true. Well, you have to be a shark. You have to ask for, I think you have to, I'm sorry. No, please. Actually. I mean, this is my theory is like, I don't think that it's going to get me very far. If Taylor was in this room right now, what would she say to you? Uh, probably the don't talk like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like I, I, cause I, I agree. I feel this song cause I feel like I've always been very professional, very nice to people in the biz and I've gotten to a certain level in this town. And really? Cause people tell me you're a huge dick. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. It's, it's because I asked them to, if, I've always like, if people ask, just tell them I'm an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. But I, the, the very, the, I, you know, I've worked with very successful people and they're always very nice. It's, it's like, it's rare if you meet an asshole. That's and, good. Yeah. I and like I, hearing that. I do too. And I think like, I think it's like this weird misconception that if you're nice, that nice guys finish last especially in Hollywood, you'll be eaten alive. And I think you just have to have some cunning, some street smarts, some common sense and hard work. Strategy. Strategy and a lot of talent. And if you are nice, people are going to want to work with you. And I, there was a time a few years ago, let's call it six years ago, after the Romaine event was over, I wanted to start a comedy tour called the Non-Abrasive Comedy Tour, where it's safe again to sit in the front row was my tagline. And I just wanted to have the nicest comedians. Like no, no one that like went dark, no one that went after the audience, no one that like, like hurt people's feelings. It was just like, not Christian, but just nice, you know, just nice people. A Midwestern comedy tour. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And like that, that, so that theme of, um, Miss Americana, where she was talking about the pat on the heads, always having to do the right thing, always having to be perceived as nice and stuff really resonated. I, yeah, I agree. A, yes, I don't have a lot to add Well, let me ask, so let me ask you though, do you feel like in order to be successful in the comedy world that you would need, would you change who you are? Mm. Can you change? I don't think I could. I've tried to, it's, I think the, the, the need to be nice or seen as nice is so deeply ingrained. Like I can think of a few times where I've said something usually as a joke and it didn't land or it came off as mean. And I could like, you can go through my Facebook messenger. There's a plenty of times where I've been like, Hey, I think I said something to you tonight. And like, <laughs> it's eating me alive. Like <laughs> I'm so sorry. And uh, every single time the person has responded to be like, I did not remember that at all. Um, yeah. But, but I mean, everyone in entertainment is fucking anxious. And, but that's the other thing is because they're narcissists. They're only thinking about themselves. I should <laughs> stop thinking about myself and, pay attention to the other side of the conversation. Well, that that could be possible. I also like if you in in those moments if you're comparing yourself and what you did and feel like that there might be some uh, blowback then generally you know I I don't know I think it's Roosevelt who said the the comparisons the thief of joy like if you like if you can get rid of that and just be like I'm just me and I didn't mean anything. There's no bad intention behind it, poss- you know. Yeah, possibly. But I I just I I think it's I find this shit fascinating, especially like talking to another person that's been in the entertainment world and who's in the entertainment world about focus, where you sit, how you're pigeonholed, how people think of you. How do you like reinvent yourself if you need Mm -hmm. to? You know, it's pretty fascinating stuff. It is. Yeah. I yeah. And, And it looks like Miss Swift 
Taylor, I'm mm-hmm. just call her Taylor, yeah. TT, um, has done it many times. A million times over. Yeah, you have to. Do you, is she a genius? I think so. I think lyrically 100% and musically. Um, but the strategy side of it too, which has gotten her branded as, you know, conniving and fake. Um, but the strategy side of it too, the, the reinventions, the, the, the branding of it all has also been very genius, I think. And she seems like she's behind all of that. Like you usually, unless, I mean, we only have this documentary to show us, but it seems usually they have this like small army of people. Yeah. Well, and- there's the documentary, but if you've been following her for a while, you get, there's been a few other behind the scenes. Like the, the Swift machine was very much powered at first just by her and her mom. So my sister works in the music industry. What did she so- do? She's a, she's like a fan engagement manager. Um, and she said that the reputation of, of Taylor in the industry was always just that it's all her. Interesting. um, Well, I feel like you kind of get that from this documentary and you see that she puts in a lot of hard work. Yeah. Like for someone, I mean, it's, I'm glad that you mentioned if you don't know anything, if you're not already a Swift head Mm -hmm. and you don't know about her, then it was, this, this, this documentary wasn't made to catch you up. Right. I would have loved to have seen, like, some of, heard about her early, like, yeah. you know, like, I took piano lessons at six, and then we did this. I don't know anything about her parents. Right. Is there, I knew, and now I now know her mom had cancer. Yeah. Um, I don't know anything about her parents or what her dad did or, like, she Her dad grew was up in, in finance. So one of the criticisms that she originally, that she gets from people, which kind of showed up a little bit on Facebook, I saw it, was that um, her dad helped her get her first record deal. What the truth behind that is that her dad bought... So this goes back to the the arc of her career. She was the first artist signed to Big Machine, which was like a Scott Borchetta used to work for, I think, Sony. And then he broke off and he's like, I want to start my own label. And Taylor Swift was already getting development deals um, and performing. And he saw her one night performing at like a new artist spot, like at the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville. And he needed help to get the record label off. So her dad, I think, bought 3% stake, which was at the time a little over $100,000 in the record oh, wow. label. Oh, in the label. In the label, which she has earned back for the label yeah. millions fold. Yeah. Um, so people say it as a way to like undercut success or write off her success hmm. that he bought her first record, but it's still, I mean, her second record, one album of the year at the Grammys, right. that's... I've worked in the music industry for years. I can say that just being having part ownership of a label doesn't make someone an, uh, a hit. success. Yeah. yeah, you can't buy that level no. of fame. Um, exactly. So full story, just to like, we don't need to cover the middle, but the end of the Taylor arc after Reputation, she announced that she was going to do this documentary, and she was announced that she was trying to play like a series of hits at the Billboard Music Awards because she'd been named Woman of the Decade. But when she left Big Machine, she finished out her sixth album contract. They, her relationship with Scott Borchetta Borchetta soured. Who's that? He's the guy who founded the the label. Oh, right. You said we'd get back to him. That's right. So he (laughs) wouldn't let her buy any of her masters. What? So he controls all of her music. Oh, no. And he said that he would trade her an album, give it to her the rights to ownership for every new one that she gave him. So he was basically like, that's the only way that you get to have the music. Music industry is so fucked up. Yes. I totally screwed up. So 
Scott Borchetta sold Big Machine to Scooter Braun. Okay. Scooter Braun is the one that said that he won't sell her. Oh, music. okay. Yeah. No one named fucking Scooter. Is he manages on Justin Bieber. He manages a lot of big name artists. Oh, wow. Um, and he's a, he's a fucking dick. Yeah. So he told, the reason why that all came out is because she went basically public on Instagram and said, I'm trying to do this documentary. They won't license me any of my music to play in the documentary. They won't license me my music to perform at the Billboard Music of the Year or the, the Billboard Awards where I'm supposed to be a woman of the decade. Jesus. He wouldn't let her do any of it because... She threatened, she said, they're not selling me my music, so I'm going to re-record all of my first six albums. Oh, wow. Basically devalue them. And it yeah. turned into this huge fucking war. Whoa. Where she's not allowed to own any of her first six albums. Wow. And she says that she was, I mean, she got signed to that deal when she was 17. And she was never offered the opportunity to buy her music outright. This like private, shady private equity firm got involved and helped Scooter Braun fund his purchase of Big Machine pretty much to get back at her. So the only thing I would say and I don't know if you can cut this into the documentary or to the podcast, um, but there she gave a speech at the Billboard Music Award that year talking about the number of times she's had to evolve to like uh, appease record bigwigs yeah. and talking about the shady role that private equity has in like screwing her over. That's pretty fascinating. I mean, the music industry is one level more in disgustingness than the comedy film TV industry, which is hard to believe. It'd be like if you told Kanye he couldn't ever freely play anything before Life of Pablo. Right, yeah. So like all of those amazing songs. It, it always amazes me, especially because, so she so she signed that contract 17, uh, you know, in 2006, yeah. let's say. Yeah. And it's like by 2006, I was working in the music industry. Then. It's like people knew, like you don't sign contracts that don't give you like at least some rights to your own Yeah, masters. I mean, she was... But people they get got very lucky. Excited. Big Machine got really yeah, fucking lucky. Yeah, they got very lucky. Well, people get very excited around contracts, their first contract especially. Yeah. And it's servitude. Like, you're, generally, your first contract, you're fucking sunk, you know? Because yeah. then you have to have, like, three, four, five albums that make a bunch of money. Because if the, you, then you if you don't, you end up having to pay the label back. It's they're basically, Really? Yeah, they're loan sharks. You would sharks. think there'd be a benefit of, like, them taking a chance on you. Because sometimes it'll pay off big. Once in a while. But... But Taylor Swift is like, that's a once in a million thing. Well, that's a lifetime. She made that label what it is. Right. And then wanted to move on, and they basically held her first six albums hostage. It's really wild when you, it's, you would think someone with like imposter syndrome could go back and be like, oh, wait, but I was doing this at seven. It's not imposter syndrome if mm -hmm. you've been doing it since you're a fucking toddler. Yeah. You know, like that's a, that's a thing that I think a lot of artists should really think about. It's like, People were like, well, my first open mic was 2007, so I've been a comedian since like 2010. It's like, no, you were telling fucking jokes at your third yeah. birthday party. You don't have to be good to be what it is. Exactly. I wrote down something I heard the other day. Someone say that anything worth doing is half-baked, which Aww. I really enjoy but that quote. It's the attitude I'm going to take to my next show. You should. Because <laughs> everything, everything you start is half-baked. I want to write a musical. Yeah. And Oh, that'll be cool. You know, the idea I have is half-baked, but then I, I heard this saying, I was like, okay, you know what? Anything worth doing is half-baked. Like yeah, because it's not even something yet, you know? You just got to start somewhere. I feel like, especially with comedy, people are so afraid to be bad that they just I never know. start. Or they don't change. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what I liked about this documentary. I enjoy watching artists take chances and changing. Mm -hmm. Like, it takes... It takes balls and it also takes this thing of like, I believe in myself so much that like, if I go left, I go right. It doesn't really, it matters, but 
I believe in myself that if I fall, I can come back from it. Yeah. You know, and, and watching comedians that I love and I've known for years that still do the same set after 10 years. Name names. I wish I could. No, I know. I know. But it's just so heartbreaking when you're like, dude, like write another joke. Well, some people are afraid that they won't write ones that are as good and they're afraid to like look bad and work. I mean, I fall through that. If I've been like, I consider every set I get still like very lucky. So I'm not going to, if you were kind enough to give me stage time, I don't want to fuck it up with something that might not land. Oh, interesting. So I've never felt like. <laughs> well, I, I think that's like a, it's a phase, that's something I need to grow out of. Oh yeah. Oh, tr- I mean, I, maybe when I was first starting, I was just felt so honored to be on a yeah. stage, but. I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. I've always, for me, I've always like, fuck it. I'm, I'm me. I'm just going to try something. And hopefully I can land on my feet. I need your pep talks. Yeah. Well, you know what? Anytime, my dear. Um, So I think some of the things that I wrote down that I thought were noteworthy um, is that 13, 16, 19, youngest person to have the number one country song. I had no idea. Yeah, she was super fucking young. She was like Billie Eilish now. Oh yeah, and so and she talks about that at the end. Like everything loves, everyone loves the shiny new thing. And right. say right now that's Billie Eilish. She just swept the Grammys. Swept, and she's the same age that Taylor was when she swept the Grammys. Oh wow, I could not even sing one iota of a note of a Billie Eilish. Really? Song. Well, they're all really. Weren't we just? No, that was. <laughs> no, that was not you. I was just saying the other day. I'm like, I don't even know. I thought Billie Eilish for one was a guy <laughs> until the Grammys. And then, yeah, I'm kind of um, like Miles Davis. <laughs> keep up with the times, Paco. I, I know. I really should. I, I, one of the things that I thought was very um, insightful, I don't want to use the word cute, but it was, yeah. but it was very insightful, was when Taylor, much longer into the documentary, I mean, she has a arena full of fans, and she peeks to see like she's like looking to see like did yeah. anyone show up? <laughs> you know, it was like, crazy. She's been selling out stadiums. You know how hard it is to get fucking tickets? No, I don't. My sister and I have to coordinate. We have to be on there like an hour beforehand. How many times have you seen Taylor Swift? At this point, maybe eleven. Wow. Yeah, I've seen almost every tour. I didn't see the first one because it was before I really got into her. Wow. Um, what are her fans called? I think they go by Swifties. Oh, but. I always think that shit's cheesy. That's a little cheesy. Yeah. What would you call them if you had a chance? Uh, nut jobs. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> no, that like fit. minds. Like-minded ladies. Um, so you did like this documentary for for a fan. Yes. It gave you what you wanted. For a super fan, it's it's a it's a really cool insight into some of what we don't get to see behind the scenes. I thought the editing was super choppy, but if you had the context, you would get it. And yeah. if you knew a lot of like, if you knew about her mom and how big of a deal he was and Jack Antonoff, who's like one of her co-producers, did you recognize him at the end? I didn't. He's oh, oh, in the Bleachers kid. and Fun. Right. The guy with the glasses, yeah. the guy who said, yeah. he basically said something that I wrote down, which is that you're good and you work hard. And normally when people are good, they don't work that hard. So it's rare to find someone who's good and works hard, which I heard that. And I was like, fuck, I need to turn this off and start writing. Right. I mean, there's, you do that. Well, I remember, I do remember that quote. Um, and that is something to always keep in mind. Yeah. That people with natural abilities generally take a lot of, cut a lot of corners. Yeah. And then you wonder why the person who doesn't have much talent is getting all the works because they fucking work their ass off. Yeah. It is really all about work. 
yeah. this business. And I make fun of the hashtag hustle, hashtag grind that we see. People on in the comedy community put all their shit out on Facebook, not for audiences, but to make sure other comics know that they're hustling, but it fucking works. What would you do different at this point? In, in your, my comedy career? Yeah. Well, write more. Everyone okay. always says that. Yeah. I think that I've been, I'm not good at self-promotion, mm. but I've like made a deal with myself that I have to be better. Not necessarily because I think that my audience wants to see it. I think I've maybe, there's, I could look it up my Instagram and Twitter and say there's maybe, if I'm being generous, a hundred people following me who found me at comedy shows. Oh, cool. Um, That's a lot. It's not nothing, but. It's not nothing. Um, I, but I'm, if I'm, I'm trying to like post my schedules more and stuff because I want other comics to know that I'm working. Right. Because then that's self-perpetuating. Well, it's all about leverage. Yeah. Self-promotion and marketing is about leverage. And leverage and I'm not can good be, at it. Right. And leverage can be perceived and it can be actual. Yeah. So that's something they always keep Take it till you make it. Indeed. 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 Like I, when I first started, made up, made up my own manager. Yeah. Yeah. So did you give yourself another name? I gave her a name. Yeah. Did you do her voice? I had a friend who did. That's hilarious. My friend Kate. Kind of like Miss Maisel. She does that to a degree. Well, it's happened a lot in the biz. Her name was Patricia Benchcraft. um, Hilarious. And her husband, Peter, was my lawyer. He's British. And she uh, was my manager. And when I needed her to talk, Kate would... My friend Kate would be her. That is amazing. And that, and even if you get caught, you're just showing that you uh, can do dialects. Never got caught. And then also people would say, how's Patricia doing? How's Patty doing? Like she had like people who really loved her. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and it's, you know, it's, um, it is definitely a, fa- and it's the, it's people forget too. It's the entertainment business. It's not like. No one gets lucky. There's not like the hero story. Bo Burnham talks about this. He's been people asking how he got famous. He's when people ask him how they can have his success, he says, don't. I got lucky. Like it's it's way more of a business than being in the right place in the right time. Absolutely. Than it is it like like this hero's journey. But he got famous early. Yeah. As well. Because and, he was like one of the first people to put shit on YouTube. Yeah. That like went viral. And then you read about his like panic attacks and imposter syndrome and it's pretty interesting. Like he stopped touring because he yeah. was having panic attacks and Which you can kind of see her do. Like she's one of the most you would think she's the most professional entertainer out there and you can still see the cracks it's crazy i was i was just it's watching so many some... people end up in fucking rehab yeah demi lovato's and selena gomez is it all justin bieber yeah yeah well you the gotta... nice part of that is people love uh like a what's it called when you like fix yourself from rock bottom they love a recovery oh a good recovery story yeah yeah no we love redemption in this redemption country. that's what it is yeah we love a good redemption that's why this country builds you up and tears you down and then if you can figure out how to get back up and again she actually talks a little bit about that mm-hmm. like in like how women especially entertainers have to reinvent and then it's like but it's got to be with the public's what they want yeah but with a little bit of spice but you still have to have talent and you still have to be into it and mm-hmm. That's incredible, you know, and the fact that she's 30 yeah, and already gone through all of that. You said, yeah, I mean, you show all the different costs. A lot of her changes are like around branding and costumes and genre shifts. But yeah, yeah, she's had like four or five of them. She's 30. That's insane. Would you think that if someone came to you who's a a woman and was like 38 and was like, I want to get into comedy, what would you say? I don't know, man. Like people love to tell that quote about Oprah not getting famous until she was 
older. People hold up Leslie Jones as a good example, but it's hard. Taylor Tomlinson said, and I think on her Instagram, I follow her, like someone asked her what the, to what she attributes her success. And she said youth. Oh, interesting. But is she, how old is she? She's 27. That's it? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she She's funny it. though. Yeah. She She's just, not just young. Her hour on Netflix comes out, I think in March. Interesting. Huh. I didn't realize that. She's funny. She's very funny. Yeah. So that helps. You got to have talent. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to work hard. So what, like, looking back at this, what do you think one of the main themes is for this doc? There's obviously a few things going yeah. on here. What do you think is like the crux of this? I th- well, the the self evolution, the shedding the shedding the urge to give in to what other people want to see from you, which you see a lot in the end with her like political stance. Right. Um, yeah, it got a little soapboxy at the end, and even she acknowledged that. Um, but yeah, and I think there's like an, so that's a theme. I think another theme is showing a work ethic, how hard she works how much you have to stretch. Like there's a, there's a no win situation. You can work hard and try and be smart and then people will call you conniving and fake. Um, or you can play dumb and act surprised at everything. That's, she got a lot of flack for people thinking she was acting when she was genuinely surprised at her own success. Right. I thought it was a very telling moment when she thought people booing Kanye was them booing, booing her. her. Yeah. Holy crap. Well, so Billie Eilish at the Grammys this past year was caught on camera. She was about to win, I think, her fifth award of the night. And she was saying, not me, not me, not me, not me. And I saw it on Twitter. Someone's like, you, you have made these young, particularly women, so afraid of their own success because they're afraid of the stands of other people who didn't win coming after them. Yeah. Amen. There is there is a thing, I think, with a lot of artists that... um where you want to like fly under, it's like, I just want to fly under the radar. I want to be acknowledged for my talents and yeah. I want to win awards and I want people to love me and applaud me. But I don't like, I have this saying that I used to say all the time. I, I, I don't want to be noticed, but damn it, I won't be ignored. Yeah. You know, it's like, like yeah, thank you. It's like that same thing. It's like, I, I want people to recognize my talent and I, and I do it because I have to, but I don't want to stand out. Like, yeah. Please don't look at me. I'll yeah. be in the corner. Enjoying my award. Part of the fabric of being a country artist is don't force your politics on people. Let people live their lives. That is grilled into us. Well, that racy magazine cover on the stands today pretty much sums up some of the names the Dixie Chicks are being called in America these days. Traitors, the Dixie Sluts, anti-American all because of one split-second comment aimed at President Bush right before the war with Iraq. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Can you do a British accent? Sure. So people always say about Taylor Swift that they, uh, that she's like 
little chick music. Like, you, yeah. yeah, it's a good way to write off her talent and say yeah. that it's not relatable. But so there's this Harry Styles quote, which I think would be more funny if you read it in a British accent okay. as he is a British person. I'll certainly try. Um, but you can, and this is a, so can you set up this quote? What is, yeah, what I think is it was from about? an interview where someone mentioned either called the one direction, what he's from or some other female artist about, uh, like being little, like teen girl music, basically. Uh-huh. Interesting. So this is what he says. He says, I used to say that young girls who like pop music, short for popular, right, have music, have worse musical taste than a 30-year-old hipster guy. That's not up to you to say. Music is something that's always changing. There's no goalposts. Young girls like the Beatles. You're going to tell me they're not serious? How can you say young girls don't get it? They're all future. Our future doctors, lawyers, mothers, presidents, they keep, kind of keep the world going. Teenage girl fans, they don't lie. If they like you, they're there. They don't act too cool. They like you and they tell you which is sick. So there you go. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Very, thank you. Cold read, folks. Cold yes. read. Yeah, I, I put that right in front of it. So yeah. he's also reading it as he is doing Thank you. Stuff. I appreciate that. And that's Harry Styles. And, and so why, what do you think about that quote? Well, just that like it's, you kind of said that you didn't, you thought it was like girl music, breakups mm -hmm. and boyfriends. Right. And uh, I think that does not make it bad. It does not make it unimportant. Very good point. That's a very good point. That's very true. I, I never thought about that, but you're right. Because that's how the Beatles got so big. They were. I want to hold your hand. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. I guess um, I also was only reading a lot of criticism because I didn't know her music. So mm -hmm. when I would read the criticism of Taylor Swift, it was like, it'd be like bu bubblegum, shallow breakup stuff. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, ah, well, whatever. So I didn't give her the uh, the attention that she probably deserved. You know, and you don't realize, too, that like now that I know she wrote everything, you know, wasn't just more impressive. very impressive. I and mean, you see it in the doc, too. Yeah. You know, and she plays guitar and piano. And yeah. But she's very good at guitar, uh, which wasn't really showcased in the doc. There's like a lot of just like basic chords and stuff. But yeah. Yeah. Do you play? I play the piano oh. and I kind of taught myself the guitar, but it's mm -hmm. not as like I played classical piano growing up. Oh, nice. Um, you had a teacher? Yeah. Yeah, what was, what was your teacher's name? Elena Belfar. She's very Russian. Yeah, mine was Zidra Bonfiglio. Damn, dude. So, what a fucking name. I know, the Zij. I wrote a um, uh, a eulogy to her on Facebook about four months ago. She passed away, and I'd always wondered about her. My uncle sent me, he's like, I don't know if you noticed, but I knew, but you know, Mrs. Bonfiglio passed away, so I wrote this like story. My bon, Mrs. Bonfiglio story. Um, some other yeah. interesting things about um, your girl, Tay, Tay Tay. She did, had never eaten burritos, apparently, mm -hmm. until this doc, um, which was something for us living in San Francisco. is like... What the fuck? Sacrilegious. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have the... I could never develop an eating disorder. I'm too... I love food too much. <laughs> that's that's very sweet. Yeah, I do too. We're from the Midwest. I know. You know, potlucks, casseroles, corn fed. Yeah, give me a bagel. Whatever. She loves ice wine. She likes ice in her wine. Um, there was a, a moment when she was like, yeah, I realize that's my front yard and it's weird. Uh, when she leaves her apartment mm -hmm. and there's like 10,000 screaming fans. Yeah. Imagine but, never not having that. I, Even I, Brendan Yuri, who she was talking to later, was like, yeah, I tried to buy a home in Michigan and people kept crawling in my windows. Oh, the panic at the disco yeah. guy. What the fuck? Yeah. That's so, he's like, we write that off as normal. Even paparazzis. I feel like we write that off as normal. What like the cost of being a celebrity, but it's, right. I don't think I 
would ever be able to adapt you to that. You don't think so? It's so creepy. You wouldn't give, you wouldn't trade in what you have now for for fame of a of being like a famous comedian, even with the trappings of paparazzi and fans. I mean, well, for, I don't think comedians get that level of like. Oh. Yeah. I mean, who do you? Th- Chappelle, maybe. That's a good point. No, probably comedians not. don't get that level of scrutiny on their lives. Yeah. But I feel like Ali Wong could go to a restaurant in San Francisco and not she, get she does. Mobbed. Yeah. That's a really good point. God damn it, that's a good point. I kind of want the mobs. I want the adoring fans. I yeah, want the mobs. Well, yeah, I want this. Switch. Uh, I want this to stop. <laughs> Switch genres, go into music. Yeah. People I, worship musicians. I know. And I did. I played in bands for years, years and years and years. And I was in the music industry and it fucking sucked. I hated every second of it. Really? I didn't. Well, no. What, what am I saying? Of course I didn't hate it. I'm dumb. I didn't hate every second of it. I hated at the end when I was like, I've been doing this for 10 years. We had a CD release party at Cafferty du Nord. The sound guy was reading the newspaper. The audience was standing there with folded arms looking mm-hmm. at us like we were dumb. And that's the night I quit. And I was just starting to do stand-up. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm done. You've reinvented yourself, I did reinvent myself. And I also do nails, just like Taylor. So, um, all right. Well, this was... A Romana cure. A Romana cure. So, one thing we do play... Oh, that's good. A Romana cure. I got to remember that. One thing we do on this this podcast is we play Cast This Doc. Gotta cast this doc. So who would you cast as Taylor Swift? I have a few options. Okay. I think purely looks alone, there's no shortage of skinny tall blondes in Hollywood. That's a good point. If you wanted to go like her current age, maybe Margot Robbie. Oh, she'd be good. If you want to go younger her, Dakota Fanning. She'd be great. Those are very easy choices. Saoirse Ronan was another one I came up oh, with. Oh, yeah. I didn't. Th- yeah, um, she would be good. What would you name? You're the executive. Mm-hmm. I just pitched you the Taylor Swift biopic, and you're like, I got a, I got the name for you. What would you title the biopic? Uh, I do have a good title for this. Don't fuck with cats. <laughs> Two reasons. Number one, she's obsessed with cats. <laughs> Half of her branding is cats. If you look at her merch, it's all fucking cats. Oh Number my two, God. she was in the movie Cats. Oh my God. She was Bombalarina. She was. Which fucking ate a dick at the box office. Boy, it did. Uh, my mom wanted to go see it too, and I couldn't. Mm, we went to see Knives Out. You can, I heard Knives Out was amazing, and for it, whatever reason, the trailer made it look bad. The trailer made it, and the, it was not great. The trailer made it look really? horrible. Really? People said it got robbed, because apparently the story is really good. It's okay. Yeah, it was okay, but my mom, she's so sweet. She's 80. We compromised, because I wanted to see 1916. 1917. 17? Yeah, you wanted to see the boring one right before the war yeah i wanted no to actually it's during the, i'm not gonna talk anymore no it's fine i wanted to see 1917 and she wanted to see cats so we compromised the knives out okay um, something of, for everyone something for everyone yeah <laughs> so um what would you name it uh the taylor swift doc i would name it um i would name it swifties swifties no yeah. that's horrible I would probably name it something like Go Away. I mean, every fucking magazine has done every possible pun on her name. Like uh, the Rolling Stone, oh. she she was called the Big Entertainer, like, or whatever. Oh, interesting. People love the Swift nickname. Rise to whatever. Every yeah. pun on her name has been done. Um, back to the casting, though. I yeah. did want to pitch an interesting cast Please. option. Zendaya. Zendaya? I don't know how to say yeah. her name. 
if you wanted to like, but then there's a whole conversation there about how like, yeah, we talk about how hard this has all been on Taylor Swift, but she is at the end of the day, like a very privileged white woman. She is. And I think the story could be told, not her story, but like, I would love to see that version of that story mm. about, you know, Lizzo or. Right. Who would her mom be? Who would play her mom? Kathy Bates? I, can just, I can't say anything without sounding like an asshole, but like Rosie oh. O'Donnell. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Or like we could Hollywood it up and make like Nicole Kidman, you know. Meryl Streep. Oh, yeah. Meryl Streep might work. That would be kind of good. We don't see much of her dad. No, so her parents are actually separated, but that's oh. very not publicized. Oh. And her dad is very clearly on the like, the more management business side of the house. Clearly. And the only time you really see him in the doc is when he's telling her that- He needs, she needs to get her shit together. She shouldn't go into politics because like, You'll he's afraid for her safety. The thing, and then also her safety, he's like, I don't want people to basically come murder you. Oh, right. He's like, I already ordered armored cars or yeah. whatever. That's right. Um, and so I, I'm, I would, if I was a casting agent, I would cast Haley Beacon. Um, oh, I didn't know we could play outside. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Haley no would be great. Right? Yes. Because <laughs> she sings. Haley Beacon is a lovely San Francisco comic. Yeah. And she looks. Or Oakland, Bay Area. Right. Yeah. She, yeah. She is, she's very tall. She's very lean. Yeah. And she sings in a band. And she sings. She's a great singer at Milk Bar Monday Karaoke Nights. She fucking tears it up. Boom. There you go. Go to Milk. Milk. Eric's going to have to give me 25 bucks for that plug. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so now let's play Pitch a Doc. So this is when Pitch people have an idea that is something interesting that has never been made into a documentary. Or maybe it has and we don't know about it. But okay. what do you got? All right. I also just realized that I don't have a title for this. Um, but this is a documentary that relates to my day job, uh, which is the opposite of Taylor Swift. I can't say where I work, but I have worked in the same, I've worked at a couple different places doing the same thing, which is kind of like online content policy, um, which sounds very boring. What does that even and mean? And it is. Um, but basically right now and in my career, I've, you write the rules around what people can and can't do on the internet. Mm. So these are the people, the people that I've worked with over the different phases of my careers and my current and past jobs of like who has to like decide what constitutes child pornography, mm. what constitutes hate speech because people live on online platforms and think like, Oh, why can't Facebook get rid of all of the white supremacy? Like wave your hand. It's so easy. Why do I have to see fake news? But on the other side of it, there's like a very dark underworld of people that have to make those content level decisions and have to watch videos of like beheadings and uh, murders and suicides to try and figure out where to draw the line, like what constitutes right. hate, how many slurs make a hate speech right. decision. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, that's and so, yeah, it's 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 interesting. We get into very interesting debates about what is safe, what is health, like what's free speech versus should be taken down or unsafe or could cause real world harm. Yeah. Um, and it, because it's it's in, it's in the media all the time, big tech companies come under fire for not being able to, regulate these types of uh, danger on mm -hmm. the internet, but it's much harder to do in practice. Right. And it sucks to be the people that have to review the pieces of content to do it. Yeah. I used to have to transcribe. I worked at Ford. I grew up in Michigan. So I had a temp job where people would call into Ford's um, hotline. Mm -hmm. And I my job was to transcribe the recordings. They recorded every phone call. It was, yeah. you didn't talk to anyone. You just called and said like, you're mm -hmm. a goddamn fucking Ford. Like, and I would wow. have to transcribe them. And I listened to people yelling and swearing all day long. That it's was crazy. That what was people my... will say when like, they think that there's no one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Believe reading me. Or watching or listening. A absolutely. Yes. So what would, so what would the doc be? 
I think it would just be like interviewing people that have those. I don't know if there's like a start to finish story. Maybe you could make it about an election cycle or. So people who are behind the. Behind the 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 computers. Right. The people that like are on the other side of the sweeping statements of like, yeah, get rid of the Nazis or like you should take white supremacists off your platform. Showing how hard it is for the tech world to actually cipher and decide how to who mm-hmm. to scrub and who not to. And I know with Twitter, especially it's everyone's like, what the fuck? Why is, why does Trump still have a Twitter channel? Yeah, and I'm sure like those are the types of people that would like be interviewed for it yeah. to show both sides of that decision. Cause there's, it's complicated. It is it's very, so it, much more complicated than people realize. Yeah, that's just true. It's weird. It's always weird for people too. When, when they come visit and I'll take them down to where Facebook or Twitter is. And they're just like, how many people work at <laughs> like a, it's a website, you yeah. know, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's fucking full of fucking employees. Yeah. You know? It's well, kind of weird. It takes, takes a village to price you out of your city. <laughs> Amen to that. A very expensive village that I can't afford. Um, awesome. Okay. So I'm going to ask you some questions. Are we back on Taylor Swift? Uh, we know we're back on you. Oh, we're back on me. Yeah. Okay. This concludes- I also realized we did not talk at all about her sexual assault trial. I know we can. I don't really have anything to say about it other than the fact that I'm glad the doc highlighted it because I don't yeah. think a lot of people know. I didn't know. And like, I'm like, he's fuck you. It's, uh, it's, there's a photograph. There's a photo of his hand on her ass. Who was that? He was some radio DJ of, for, a, of a shitty Denver station. Of course. That. Why would he, what was he thinking? That he could win against her? I have no idea with all the evidence. I mean, in, but I'm, I'm talking about the photograph in the moment. He was just like, this is a good idea. Yeah. I think she's a minor in that photo too. Oh, gross! So all he did was get fired right. from his radio station. Right, and then, and then he, he sued. He sued her for millions. For what? And she countersued for a dollar. Yeah, that's awesome. And won. That's awesome. But what was what were the grounds for the counter the suit rather? Uh, like unjust loss of wages, I think. But there were witnesses in a fucking photograph. But also, that never got a chance to like see the light of day. Right. I think he thought it would win on. All right. Because he's like, she's just a stupid little yeah. country singer. Yeah. Um, fucking big dog with the in the warehouse. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Morning radio. Psh, psh, psh. Toilet sound. Yep. <laughs> I thought it was super cute with the Japanese fans. Like that scene. That's what, That makes me uncomfortable, man. See, that level of like, yeah. you are so famous that I can't hold my shit together around you. Oh, yeah. When and the proposal, were, I was uh, like, that's proposal, so uncomfortable. Super un- you could tell she was uncomfortable. She's like, is this real? Are you really engaged? Okay, there you go. That was my eighth. I, I get three minutes with every VIP ticket, people. Yeah. Like, have a great life. Yeah. You know, it's like, what would make me uncomfortable is those people would be like, I know that he's really going to like me. Like, sure, there's 400 people in the VIP line, but it's going to be yeah. me that this person remembers. And Never will. She meets how many fans? I know. I mean, just like, I'm not equating what we do to Taylor Swift's legend, but like, I meet so many fucking people. Yeah. And people get hurt. And you don't like, remember them. I don't. Or I might remember their face, but just like, I don't remember your name. And you were just, I was just on stage and you heard, my, you know, you, you know my name. Yeah. You just heard it. And now I'm like, and then they get mad. I've had people send me messages. and just Really? Like, oh, yeah. People have been hurt that I'm like, Aww. don't remember old Rick or something, you know? Well, tell uh, them to be more memorable. But it is good that they put that on there. Um, 
I am glad that you brought this doc. I'm glad that you're passionate about it. Thank you. I'm, I feel like my only goal was to make you feel like I didn't waste your time in making you watch this. I, it did take me two sittings. Really? Though. It did take me two sittings. It's funny. I, I stopped watching because I was like, ugh, whatever, you know? <laughs> Right before her first big transformation where she had to, like, leave the public sphere for a year. Yeah. And then I come back. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I didn't get to this part. Like, this is interesting, yeah. you know. Like, But but before that, she's like, I'm rich and I'm successful and I just don't feel that I'm part of the universe. I yeah. don't know. And I'm like, whatever. That's There's a tone deaf, like, white privilege part to it for yeah. sure. Yeah. And I just big successful celebrities are like oh, I just you I don't, don't get it I don't you don't understand I just mm. I'm like oh fucking she shit. wrote a song about that and so did Britney Spears the like the lucky one oh like, yeah and they say she's so lucky <laughs> right yeah can you sing a Taylor little Taylor Swift uh, I would not want to give her that d- dishonor Aim. okay fair enough um here we go okay. what's your hometown Cincinnati Ohio Person you are most mistaken for? Um, there is a painting in a restaurant in San Bruno <laughs> that four people have sent me a picture of, and it's a girl and a guy, and they're like, "Is that you?" That's amazing. I have seen this. I have. Seen I will send it to you. I don't know if you have a following. You can post it. To I will post it. We'll put it on. She might as well just make it my headshot. Oh my god, that is hilarious. Um, as far, but then like also, I think there's like a generic bucket of white lady comics that all get kind of grouped together. I've been called Florentina. I've right. been called Francesca. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I would love to be called Francesca. Oh, Francesca's she, fucking gorgeous. She is gorgeous. Not the Florentina. The Florentina's also gorgeous. She's, you're all very pretty. I'm, okay, so um, what is your pet peeve? People who play music out loud on public transportation. Oh fuck yeah. Yeah. If you're dancing to it, it's one thing. If it's you're like a Bart hip hop, like yeah, that's also annoying, but like a different kind of annoying. But if you are sitting in a crowded space and think everyone needs to hear the game you're watching or the YouTube video, right? fuck out of here. Yeah, no, that is, yeah. Amen. I'm with you on that. That is annoying. Uh, what is your guilty pleasure? Besides Taylor Swift? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I watch Riverdale. Oh, wow. Yeah. You're the person. The only person You're the still. watcher. It's bad. It's horrible. It's so campy. It's like so bad it's good. I don't even know. If, is that true? Or is it just bad? I mean, it makes fun of itself. Oh, it, you, okay. The first season t- kind of took itself seriously as like, a, we're a small town with high schoolers that solve murders. Yeah. But um, <laughs> now it's just like full fucking crazy circle. Yeah, they know. It's self-referential in how crazy it is. Right. Okay. They have an idea what's yeah. happening. What do you never travel without? Um, trying to think of a non-boring answer. Chapstick, a phone charger. Okay, that's fine. That's. Do you have any pets? I so I I've always been a cat person. I had yeah. a lot of cats growing up. Pour one out for Phil, Wally, Harold, Cupcake, and Kazoo. Um, and uh, so right now I don't have a cat, but my roommate has a cat. I'm not allowed to have a cat, but my roommate has an emotional support cat. So. Laws say she's allowed to. Um, and wow. So we have potato. potato. Potato is a fat ginger cat. There would you can't the way have that a, God meant for it. Amen. You can't have a cat named Potato and it not be fat. Yes. Yeah, that cat needs I'd to be it. fat. More cats to love. Um, biggest regret up to this point. Not starting stand up one before I was younger. Yeah, that's a big one. How old were you when you started? Twenty. Uh, I was about to turn twenty five. Oh, okay. And where was your first mic? 
Cal's. Oh. <laughs> the purple onion at Cal's. Yeah, the purple onion at Cal's. You took one of my like class, my one-on-one thing. Yeah. That's right. Did you get anything out of that? Yeah, I'm sure I did. Oh, okay. No, you didn't then. Um, who is your celebrity crush? Ooh. <laughs> when I was growing up, it was definitely Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, he right. was in Donnie Darko when I was a really emo kid, so I love that movie. Now, I don't know. I hate all of them. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so let the- Billy Joel. Oh, really? Billy Joel. Who has that Billy Joel joke? I don't know. There's a comedian who has a bit about Billy Joel. I'll find it in Sunday. Billy Joel? He like he went to Ireland and they people keep calling him Billy Joel. Oh, Billy Joel. Oh, that's funny. It's a bit. Um, anyway, yeah. Um, thank you so much for bringing Miss Americana to SupDoc. Thank, for- uh, thank you for coming to my Tay Talk. You're certainly welcome. It's nice to have been invited to your Tay Talk. Um, tell people where they can find you. Sure. Uh, my name is Brooke Heineken. Uh, so it's at Brooke Heineken, last, B-R-O-O-K-E, last name H-E-I-N-I-C-H-E-N. My family and I recently discovered we all take breaks at different places when spelling our last names. Yes. The Midwest pause. Two people are H-E-I-N and then the rest, but I'm H-E-I-N-I-C-H-E-N. Nice. So many pauses. Um and so brookheineken.com for all of my dates as soon as I remember to update them at brookheineken on Twitter and Instagram. I think that's all the social I really And you use. have a show? I do. I run a few shows here. There's a every third Monday at the right spot. We run a, an all-female comic lineup called Resistance is Fertile. And every third Friday at Bear Bottle Brewing Company in Bernal Heights, I run a show called Brave New Jokes. It's at a wonderful craft brewery and it's super fun. Awesome. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for listening. You can find out more about SupDoc at SupDocPodcast.com, recapping reality since 2015. Our theme song was written by David Siegel, and our show is engineered by Will Scoville. For as little as a dollar a month, you can donate to the show through our Patreon page, patreon.com slash SupDocPodcast. And if you want to help us out in other ways, please just share the show. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Find out more about Paco and George's comedy gigs on the About Us page on our website. SupDoc is by Doc fans for Doc fans. So if you want to advertise with us, you got a film or opinions, just hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at SupDocPodcast at gmail.com. 